Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Chicago Bears. This is the Bears Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Bears Wire editor, Alyssa Barbieri. Oh, yeah, I mean, my mindset was just like, it's time. We're here. Um, you know, you can either be the guy who always gets put, put in that position and it doesn't, doesn't show up, or you can, you know, be that guy who shows up in the, in the big moment. So, I mean, that's my mindset was, and I was just, you know, calm. And uh, just just focus on showing up. Well, there's your quarterback, Alyssa, right? Justin Fields after what in the moment was a brutal loss to the Steelers, and it felt like it. But I think there's an obvious silver lining, right? And it's that the Bears not only weren't embarrassed on national TV by one of the best defenses in football on the road, but the national audience got to see firsthand what the Bears do have, and that's a franchise quarterback. So that's there's the silver lining right there. Yeah, definitely. And when you watch from the beginning and like I was settling in in the first half, I'm like, oh, here's another typical Bears game. It's going to go exactly as you as you expect that the offense is going to struggle. They're going to get beaten down by a good defense. Their defense is going to get tired and then the Bears are going to get blown out again. But, you know, obviously things kind of turned around in the second half and Justin Fields was a big part of that. And, you know, I remember texting you during the game, especially when some of the officiating, which we're going to get into, uh, like we were texting back and forth about that. And then it's funny because now, like when I woke up, I felt like happy, almost as if like the Bears had won. And I think they did win. And obviously with Justin Fields, that's the most important thing right now is his development. And man, he he took a huge step forward. If last week I heard someone say if last week was his uh, breakthrough game, this week was his breakout game. And he did it, you know, in just a hostile environment on Monday Night Football. And he led his team down the field and which should have been the game winning touchdown drive. And you just saw he was calm. He was poised, confident, all of that stuff that, that, you know, the Bears fans were hoping to, well, that they'd seen out of him in Ohio State. And they're finally getting to see him do that in spite of Matt Nagy. It was really good. Yeah. Now, and like you said, the officiating was an absolute sham. And we'll get to some of that here coming up in a little bit. And yes, Matt Nagy was uh, insufferable on the sideline. He was back, Alyssa, with his hands on his knees and his visor. And, you know, they scored that big touchdown on the uh, on the muffed punt. And you got Nagy signaling for the extra point. Like, they flash him on the sideline. It's like, that ruined the whole moment for me. I'm like, oh, my God, like, what a play. They're back in this. And then they show Nagy. And I'm like, oh, God, dude, dude, can you just get off my TV screen, please? He's so annoying. But you know what? I want to give him and everyone credit for this game. I, I agree with you. You should feel good about it. You wake up the next day. It doesn't feel like a loss because I think for all these things that you just said, and yeah, that go-ahead touchdown drive, final three minutes, absolute money, right? Fields, first of all, he got the chunk play he needed to, who? Allen Robinson. Allen oh. Robinson, there you are. Like, well, Allen Robinson's is, on the team. Where has that been? Oh my God, you need a chunk play in that situation, and boom, they got it. And I loved it. All seven plays of that drive, either a Fields pass, designed run, or scramble, right? So... They took the training wheels off Alyssa. They let him play some football. You've been begging them to do that. And uh, what a drive in that situation in Pittsburgh with everything, literally everything else going against the Bears all night long. Yep, that was the breakout moment, that drive. And you know what? I really liked his poise at the end, that last drive to try to get Santos in field goal range. I know they came like one pass short, but working the sidelines, taking what the defense gave them, working their way up near midfield, that was pretty good too. I kind of liked... I kind of loved that whole second half of that fourth quarter, especially. I thought it was just money all the way around. Yeah, he was so incredibly clutch. And that's 
so impressive for a rookie that was making his seventh start and like what he was able to do. And I remember there was a quote from Matt Nagy after the game where, you know, they, I think the Pittsburgh just kicked the field goal to go up six and, you know, Nagy's like, okay, a touchdown will probably win this. And he just saw Justin Fields smiling, just kind of like, you know, this is my moment, right? I'm going to go down there. Kind of like what Fields said at the beginning of the show there. And that, like, when's the last time the Bears had anything like that? And even like you said on that last drive when he was trying to get them in field goal range, I don't think I've ever had a, a, a quarterback on the Bears that when they go out there, I think, well, I think they, I think they can get it done. You know what I mean? Like when he went out there, he was calm confident and like I believe that he was going to get them where they needed to go obviously they didn't have enough time to to fully do that but it was just impressive and you kind of look at at fields as a whole because last week you know he had that breakout game with his legs right when he had his first 100 yard rushing game and this week it was all about his arm right and how impressive that he has everything he has all of those tools at his disposal and he's going to use them whenever he needs to and it doesn't matter he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to stand tall in the pocket all the time. If, you know, he needs to go, if he needs to, you know, roll out, he needs to get out of there, then fine, whatever. It's take whatever the defense gives you, whatever's working for you. And just like, he has the complete package. It's, it was really, really impressive, especially he was at Heinz Field, which is not friendly to rookie quarterbacks. No. I think rookie quarterbacks were one in 16 or one in 17 since 2004. And for all intents and purposes, I think that field should have been the second rookie to kind of get that win there. It was just a really impressive effort, and it's really hard to, like, leave that game not feeling excited, not feeling like the Bears finally have their franchise quarterback. It was just, again, it feels like a win, right? And maybe it is a win-win, right? Because not only do you get that continued development, a huge step from Fields, but also you're one loss closer to Matt Nagy being gone and getting Fields a real coaching staff. Look at what Fields is able to do with Matt Nagy. Can you imagine if you get him a real coaching staff what this kid can do? Yeah, I can't I can't wait to see what that's going to be like next year, right? And you know, you were you were begging Ready. you were begging last last week for Fields like let's just see a 200-yard passing game. 292? 292, right? Almost Ooh. he almost got 300 yards. We just we needed to see that game out of him. We did. And it was just uh tremendous. The last 2 weeks have been awesome, right on time, exactly what we needed to see from Fields. And I do want to give a little bit of credit and a shout out to the coaching staff. Did you feel like they were more aggressive? They let him throw it downfield more, right? There was just there seemed to be a little bit more of an edge to the the game plan. Like the deep shots to Mooney, going down the field to Robinson late. Like they weren't just trying to mosey their way up the field like the Steelers do, right? They were going down the field. It was it was very impressive. But I will say this about Nagy, right? <laughs> like so fans are so conditioned to ripping him, Alyssa. This is one of the funniest parts of the game on Twitter. So, you know, he was getting completely crushed in the moment when he called that timeout right before the Steelers kicked that field goal to go up by six points late, there was like, what, 30 seconds left, and it was right after that Roethlisberger lumbering run where they did the measurement. So it felt like the clock had stopped because they went through the whole ordeal to bring the chains out and do that thing, but actually, they were going to restart the clock. Nagy was on top of it, called his last timeout, but it did feel in the moment like he was freezing the kicker and burning his last timeout to freeze the kicker. And man, he was getting ripped on Twitter, so I just thought that was hilarious. Like, even when Nagy's right, he's wrong. And in the moment, I wanted to jump on board too. I'm like, yeah, he froze the kicker. What an idiot. But then I thought about it. I was like, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. He had to, he had to call the time out there. So that was good. I actually thought the coaching staff, it was an okay day for them, right? Because they were, they went for it. More aggressive. And yeah, we needed that turnover on special teams. But Fields is going down the field more, right? I'm not just like, that's not just an illusion, right? No, definitely. I think the, the biggest thing that I noticed, uh, and I think it was obvious watching, like you said, the 
the aggressive play calling is that they trust him, right? And that wasn't obviously always the case as a rookie coming in. You know, he has, you know, had six starts under his belt to that point. And just the confidence that he exudes and, you know, his teammates have caught on to it, his coaches. And like Matt Nagy with that quote when he was, he looked over and he was like, man, it's a really good feeling when you can look at your quarterback, right, and just know that he knows he's going to go down there and score. And, like, you're kind of starting to see that they're getting more confident. They know that he can do that, so they're opening things up a little bit. I don't know if it's the Mitch Trubisky effect where Nagy always was playing it safe or whatnot to not put the team in bad positions. And now he's like, oh, wait, I have a quarterback that can actually go win me games, right? So, I mean, w- watching them kind of letting him take shots down the field and the accuracy and getting – Getting Allen Robinson involved, the tight ends. Oh my goodness! Like Cole Komet, it just like he's had a great couple of weeks. Yeah, right and down the seam, I love it. The right down game. the seam, yep. It, you're seeing that trust factor too, right? We saw that Fields had some chemistry issues with some of the guys that he didn't get to practice with a lot. Him and Darnell Mooney had been clicking because he said that Mooney was the guy that kind of stayed after practice to kind of work with him. But you're starting you're starting to see it with obviously Cole Komet the last few weeks who who's been working with him and Allen Robinson. And I know Allen Robinson uh, suffered a hamstring injury, so I really hope with this bye week that you know he'll be good to go when they face the Ravens because you want to see more of that, right? You want to keep keep that moving. But I, I completely agree that they were more aggressive, and it's the trust factor, right? The trust level. They really trust that Justin Fields can go out and win them football games. Yeah, I love it. A-Rob wasn't used to running that far, Alyssa. That's why he, he got <laughs> no. the hamstring gave out. He's got to loosen that thing up for the next game after the bye week. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. It's a win disguised as a loss, and you know what? Moral victories, I don't care. We're taking a moral victory because this is all I wanted to see coming in. I wanted to see Justin Fields play well against a really good defense, and I wanted the Bears to not get embarrassed like when they gave up, what, nine and a half sacks to the Browns or when they were down 35-3 to at half to the Bucks. you know, when they played real teams and real defenses. Oh, man. I just wanted to see something different than that, and they gave the Steelers everything they wanted. They probably should have won the game, Alyssa, right? And everybody saw it. The national audience saw it. Tony Carrenti and company, did they gift wrap that win for the Steelers? Ooh, man, you can make a really good case, and we will get to that right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week 10 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays as we approach the playoff push. It hasn't been pretty since week one for Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence in his debut season. But he has a chance for redemption against the Indianapolis Colts in Week 10. Yes, he has no more than one passing touchdown in each game since Week 1, and his weapons are suspect, but the Colts' offense is doing enough to force him into a pass-happy script. The Colts have given up huge numbers to quarterbacks in 2021, including a league-high 23 touchdown passes. Last week, even the Jets were able to shred this group through the air. Only one team has yielded more fantasy points per game, and this is the third-best opponent to face for yardage. Playing Lawrence is risky, but the matchup is brilliant. Washington football team running back J.D. McKissick versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the ground, this matchup is awful. Both teams return from their bye, but a common byproduct of being such a stout run defense is a team usually gives up serious volume to pass-catching backs. In the last five weeks, this defense ranks fifth in receptions allowed per game to the position. A dozen teams have yielded more aerial yards per game in that time frame, and three touchdowns over the last 29 receptions faced by running backs makes a pretty compelling case to play McKissick. He's a sound RB2 in PPR this week. Wide receiver 
Russell Gage, Atlanta Falcons at Dallas Cowboys. Only 11 teams have given up more catches per game than the Cowboys to wide receivers in the last five weeks, and this is the third highest rate for touchdowns against by the position. Dallas's offense is poised to rebound after what we saw last week, which should promote more passing by Atlanta. The matchup profiles for a stronger day by Gage than it does for Titan Kyle Pitts, and while Atlanta's de facto wide receiver one is risky business in fantasy, he is coming off an eight-target game and has scored at least 13.4 PPR points in two of his last three outings. Don't expect a huge day, but there's definite wide receiver three utility here in PPR scoring. Minnesota Vikings tight end Tyler Conklin at Los Angeles Chargers. He's a fine fantasy play in Week 10 as the Bolts have given up the third most yards per game to tight ends, 77, since Week 4 on the 18th most catches. A touchdown every 9.5 receptions sits as the 10th highest frequency against. One caveat here, the health of Los Angeles cornerbacks. In the past few weeks, injuries have enabled opposing wide receivers to have some fun against this defense that's otherwise strong against the position, and Minnesota has obviously very capable wideouts on the outside. That could work against Conklin. However, However, it also enables him to draw single coverage and roam freely. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. I mean, yeah, he just he told me that he ran into me, um, which I thought is, is a late hit. So, I mean, if he ran into me after I throw the ball, I mean, I don't know. And I said, uh, Big Ben just got that call, so I don't know why you can't give me that call. I mean, I just needed him to call it both ways. So um, that's that's what I told him. But, um, yeah, so that's the only conversation we got. It's a common theory, you know, the vets, they get those calls. I think Joe Burrow said something about that like a few weeks ago, like, you know, once we get older and once we get, you know, to that time, we're, we're going to get those calls. But being a young QB, you're, you're just not going to get those calls. And you just have to face the fact. All right. Penalties, Alyssa, in this ball game. Bears, 12 for 115 yards. Steelers, 5 for 30. So uh, this has been, you know, a lot of the talk post game. We, we'd love for it to be all Justin Fields love. And, and, and there's been a lot of that. It's more been about the officials across, you know, from just people all around the league, players, uh, analysts just ripping the uh, NFL officials for how egregious this discrepancy was in the penalties. You know, it's one thing if you're a team like the Patriots, for example, like they got real coaching in a good program that's they've been around together for a while and they're notoriously one of the least flag teams each year, right? But like <laughs> it's Pittsburgh, right? Do you ever have you ever thought of Steelers and disciplined in the same breath? Like, why, why the, what the hell's going on in Pittsburgh and they're getting the benefit of the doubt like all night long? Yeah, it, it was really crazy. I mean, especially I think back to the Bears-Packers game earlier this year, and I was like, they kind of already had like a game where there was some questionable officiating, and then this game happens, and I, look, I don't I was worried about you on Twitter. I was worried about you. You were very upset. (laughs) I know. I was very upset. I'm I'm not someone that that blames the refs for a loss or, or any of this, but it was just kind of. The more it happened, and I tried to stay quiet at first, but it just kept happening. You mentioned the 12 penalties. Those were accepted penalties, by the way, because there were a lot more called in the Bears. Point, uh, and 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 you kind of look, I was I was watching, and I'm like, this just, it, it's getting worse. Like, like so, they were so egregious. I think of, obviously, we think of that Packers game, we think of that offsides, no call. And with this game, there's so many that you can point to. And in a close game like this, 
including some of these penalties that led to Steeler points or took away Bears points, how can you not point to that and be like that had an impact on the result? It was really infuriating, especially I know we're going to talk about the Cassius Marsh, uh, the, the taunting call. Of which, course. I mean, honestly, he shouldn't have even been in a position where that was happening. You know, just turn around, go back to your sideline. Like why? I know like he used to play for the Steelers and that's something I don't think they mentioned on the broadcast. And then maybe he's just kind of like, I don't know, waving to the sideline. He didn't really do anything, though. That's the thing is he was just kind of like walking towards the sideline. He didn't there. I think the punter was coming up. He didn't look at him or say anything. And then he turned around and went back to his sideline. And then he got like hip checked by Tony Carenzi. Uh, which was really weird. That was really weird. That was really like he saw him coming and leaned back into him. And I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And then he, and then he threw the flag. I know his, his, his hand was like right there. Like he was ready to pull it out before, before that happened, before the contact happened. But like the timing and the way he got through the flag and it just, it it was just deflating. And I I looked at um, uh, one of the quotes that he was talking, he told Adam Hogue of, of NBC sports Chicago after the game. The when he was asked about, you know, what led to the taunting penalty, right? And the first sentence, I think, really says it all. And he said, first of all, keep in mind that taunting is a point of emphasis this year. So again, that's calling attention to the fact that they, when they see things like that, they want you to call it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the yep. big thing. They want that, they want that handled. But I understand, like, you know, standing over a player, right? And in talking trash and all that, like, that's taunting. But when you have Aaron Rodgers, who's screaming, I still effing own you, and that's not flagged as taunting, but you you have Cassius Marge here, who's just walking back to the side, like he was walking, didn't say or do anything, and gets flagged for taunting. It's just, I really, truly don't understand that. And I have a take on that here, and I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna get to it here. There was four, oh, so, so like you said, the Bears, 12 accepted penalties. That's a good way to put it. 12 accepted penalties in this game. Yeah. Now the Bears did make some boneheaded mistakes in those twelve, right? But they're and and that's why we keep saying that the head coach needs to be dismissed, and hopefully he and hopefully he will be ushered out at the end of the season. But there was four egregious fouls that stand out, Alyssa, to me, right? Number one, that phantom low block on the T on TJ Watt that was a still inside the tackle box. Now I don't know that rule well enough, but on the broadcast they said, you know, you can't go low for a block outside the tackle box. And then they showed the tackles, and he was inside the tackle box. And also, the lineman there, James Daniels, he didn't even touch Watt. So, like, that negated a touchdown to Jimmy Graham. That was ridiculous. Inexcusable, right? So that was number one. Number two was a couple plays later, the late hit that wasn't flagged on on Justin Fields. That one's all over Twitter. I mean, right after a ticky-tack 15-yarder that went against the Bears a couple series earlier on, like, a shoulder-to-shoulder bang-bang play with Roethlisberger, he gets the flag. Justin Fields, get, it was an obvious late hit. Justin Fields just like lays out on the ground like, what do I got to do to get a flag, guys? No flag. And then late in the game, that 30-something yard pass interference on Jalen Johnson. I mean, I thought he had perfect coverage. He was lockstep with Deontay Johnson going down the sideline. He turned his head around, which is like the big point of emphasis. And they were hand fighting. That's it. They were hand fighting. There was nothing else there. They were both hand fighting. Mutual. So that's not P.I. And... It's especially not P.I., Alyssa, in that situation. Late in the fourth quarter, the refs have got to be better. They have to know that we got to let this be competitive here. It's the fourth quarter. Like We're trying to decide a game here. And that brings me to Cassius Marsh. Okay, so he's an ex-Patriot. He's also an ex-Steeler. But he's an ex-Patriot. I'm a Patriots fan. I know a little bit about Cassius Marsh. 
he is a giant tool. Oh my God, he is a big tool bag. <laughs> like I, I'm not a fan <laughs> of Cassius March at all. So part of me is like, dude, what are you doing? Elevated off the practice squad, and you're even gonna what are you doing to the Steelers sideline? Like, what do you what do you have to say? Like you're a borderline 53 player, right? You're you're you barely on the roster, dude. Like, get the hell back to the sideline. Go celebrate with your teammates. So part of me wants to call him out for being a tool. But like you said, it's just situation, right? Like the refs have to understand what the automatic first down for the Steelers does after that sack. Like that whole game turns and you have to kind of, now if you're Tony Carrente looking at that play, he was clearly thinking about it. And then whatever happened with the hip check and then he threw the fly, like he was thinking about it. And then the hip check thing and something got him upset. He probably just looked at Cassius Marsh's face and decided he's throwing the flag. Uh, but that call in that situation is so bad, right? At, at some point, you're going to be like, all right, yeah, taunting is a point of emphasis, but the Bears just made a sack on third down. This is going to grossly affect the game. We have to think about, we have to factor that in before we throw the flag. Why couldn't Carrente just grab Cassius Marsh on his way by and say, dude, I almost threw the flag. You can't do that. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, just teach him. Because he didn't do, like you said, he did not do anything egregious. He did something borderline that should not have been flagged. And why can't the ref just tell him? Like, like the refs tell the guys if they're onside or offside all the time, right? The, the wide receivers will wave to the ref. They're like, no, no, take a step back. Why can't you just do that? Just tell him, dude, I was about to throw the flag on you. Don't do that again. This, like, gotcha thing. Like, the ref's like, gotcha. Oh, you stared at the side. Gotcha. I'm throwing the flag. It's like, that is the most egregious part to me. It's, like, inexcusable. Those four plays, list. I know that was a lot. I just got that off my chest. <laughs> I felt, feel better now. Those there four, you go. Those four plays, you can't excuse those. Those are just terrible calls by yeah. the ref, and that's why the game was gifted to the Steelers. Yeah, and to kind of go back, you made a good point, too, about just kind of saying, hey, next time that's going to be a flag. It's kind of like, you know, if you're speeding and you get, like, you're, maybe you're going, like, like five or ten over the speed limit and you get pulled over and the cop's like, okay, this is a, I'm letting you off with a warning, right? Yep don't do it next time. Like, right. And instead of not like you're going 20 over the limit, like that, that would be like the taunting when you should actually throw the flag. Cause I mean, yeah, you look at that and that just, it, it shouldn't have happened. And you kind of go back to, I mean, there's so, it's like where you start <laughs> the, the, the phantom low block on James call on James Daniels. It, it robbed them of four points. Baffling. Basically it robbed them of four points that Jimmy Graham touchdown who Jimmy Graham, he matched his entire production in last night's game. He had one catch. Now he has two catches on the season. He could have doubled his production from the previous eight weeks, right? Yeah. And, I mean, you look at that erase an entire touchdown. And then you kind of look at the Cassius March penalty, I believe. That one gave the Steelers three points. And, like, when the game is close and the breeze rush should not be affecting the outcome. But also, like you said, the Bears had a lot of penalties. that They just were shooting themselves in the foot, right? Robert Quinn lining offside more than once which was just kind of ridiculous. But then there was another call too. And I think they had, uh, they called Roquan Smith sliding up off sides, which he wasn't when you kind of look at the, at, at the still frame. So, I mean, there, there was a lot of stuff, like you said, and obviously the Justin Fields hit, you know, especially earlier in the game, like Fields said in his press conference. And I like how Fields said it. It wasn't like he wasn't whining or complaining, but he was bringing attention to it. Right. Like, Hey, this, or like how he told the ref during the game, this was called for Ben Roethlisberger, so why isn't it? Why isn't it called for me? That same thing just happened, you know. And the whole what he was saying, the young players not getting the benefit of the doubt. Why is that fair? The rules should be the same for everyone. There's no seniority here. The rules should apply to everybody. And the fact that 
if that was happening, and again, that would have cost that could have cost them some more. Po- I think that did cost them more points, obviously. It, it was just really, just really frustrating overall. That was it was bad, and you know it's bad when everybody is complaining. And like I even asked you before we started the show, I'm like, did you Ryan think it was that bad, or is that just me coming from like the Bears fan standpoint? You said no, it was actually that bad. Yep. And when you look at it. Bears fans, it's NFL fans, it's current NFL players, it's analysts, people, you have Packers fans and Steelers fans, like even saying the Bears, are. it's like, that's when you know it's bad. And at what point do the officials, at one point are they held accountable? Because this is not, this is not the first time this has happened. Yep. It won't be the last time it's, it's happened. I'm pretty sure this taunting rule, just like the pass interference rule from a year ago, will, that'll be on the way out, right, after this season. But at the same time, like these refs, nothing's being done. Right. If a player does something wrong, they have to answer to it. Why is that? Why aren't the refs? And the entire thing was just it was really frustrating because it felt like some of these were just so egregious and so stupid and they were no calls and it would ruin any sort of momentum the Bears had. Right. And like I said, I mean, win the loss. I'm just happy Justin Fields obviously took a step forward. That's a win for me. And maybe the loss that's going to help get rid of Matt Nagy. I don't know. But when you look at the officiating, this this should not be happening. Well, it might be a Pittsburgh thing because our friend Marcus Mosier tweeted that <laughs> no team in the NFL has a higher penalty yardage differential than the Steelers since 2015. So, Alyssa, they've had seven straight years of averaging at least 61 penalty yards per game. They got double that against the Bears. And... I thought the Packers would have the most. Yeah, for some reason <laughs> it's the Steelers. Go figure that thing. But I, I liked what you said about the accountability piece, and I'm seeing that a lot. I'm seeing a lot of comments like that, like on social media and stuff, on sports social media. Like the NBA does this thing where they release all the calls the crew missed in the final two minutes of the game, I think. It's something they put that, mm-hmm. that, that report out. Like, why did the NFL just, they could easily do that and just say, here's all the calls that we missed, and here's how much the head ref is going to get fined this week, right? <laughs> why, why don't they just do that? You know, and like you said, hold Carenti uh, accountable. He, he probably would have lost his whole game check, though. This was that bad. It was. It was literally that bad. But yeah, I don't know. Why don't they do one of those reports for the NFL? Couldn't that work? I think it would, and it should. I mean, like, I think there was one. I'm thinking back to last night. I don't know if it was after the game I saw it, but I think the NFL, because I kept tagging the NFL officiating on Twitter. I know, you did, yes. Yes. One of my things, I'm like, pay attention to me. (laughs) You were one (laughs) of a million. Yeah, and and there was one they addressed, which I agreed with this call, actually. Remember when Minka Fitzpatrick hit Justin Fields going out of bounds and he was running? And, you know, that wasn't called a penalty because, you know, I, I agree with that because Fields lowered his head. I mean, like, whatever. He's at, he was in bounds. Yep. That was the Same. right call, right? And they actually yep. posted that. This is the right call. But what about the be- what about the wrong calls? Like, right. that- you can learn from mistakes and you should have to learn from those mistakes. Yep. That Fields hit. That was not that was not in my four egregious penalties, right? Nope. That was not nope. in my list. That, that one was fine. I was fine with that. Um, but there were so many to pick from. NFL officiating on Twitter. You can go ahead and give us whatever you want. So. I hate bitching about the refs, but in this game, you kind of had to. It felt like the Bears yeah. had one stolen from them. But we head to the bye week, Alyssa, right? Heading to the bye week. The Bears are at 3-6. and six. We'll kind of reset where the team's at and talk about uh, a week off. We'll do that coming up next. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicap and homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. 
our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chiefs favored minus two and a half. Their money line is minus 145, so Raiders are plus 120 to win that game outright. The totals 51 and a half. I'm on the Raiders plus two and a half. Um, I think we get some value after they had an absolutely pathetic performance at the New York Giants last week, and I don't think enough is being made of the struggles of the Kansas City offense and the mediocrity or just terribleness of their defense. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? See, I'm on the under. The public is on the over. The cash is on the under. I got Chiefs and Raiders both 15th and 16th in points per game. I'm going under 52 and a half. That was your Typico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Alyssa, Bears heading into their bye at 3-6. and six. However, even though the Bears are currently 14th in the NFC standings, here, just hear me out for a minute, right? They're 14th in the standings. So based on the math and all the tiebreakers, and there's people smarter than me on the internet that, that give me these numbers, they're just a game out of the win column between the 7th seed, Atlanta, who is 4-4. Four and four. So I, just for fun, since we don't have a game this week and we usually talk about sports betting in this segment, I looked on Tipico. The Bears are plus 1,300, so they're a long shot, but they're plus 1,300 to sneak into the playoffs. And so now, after seeing Justin Fields take his big leap right before our eyes here against the Steelers, and he was good against the 49ers too, are you letting yourself believe at all at this point, going into the bye week, that the Bears could make some type of sneaky run like last year and kind of flip the script in the second half and challenge for a playoff spot? You you think there's any value at all in that number at Bears plus 1300 to make the NFC uh, playoffs. I don't. And I think that's just because when you look at the remainder of their schedule, they have games against the Ravens, the Cardinals, the Packers, the Seahawks, the Vikings twice. Yep. And then you get the Lions and Giants thrown in there. And it's just like a really tall order. Not saying it's impossible because I mean, if we've learned anything about this bears team is that when they should not make the playoffs, they do right. Or at least last year, right. They were able to sneak into the playoffs and it should not have happened. I mean, Kyler Murray should not have lost to John Wolford and the Rams last last year to help the Bears get in. Like, I mean, and I look at the whole thing. Forgot about that I game. Mean, <laughs> that was yeah, crazy. That's that. You see Who? what had to happen. Who's that and quarterback? Oh my god. Thing. It would be such a Bears thing for the for for them to sneak or for them to sneak into the postseason and like the McCaskies point to that and be like, that's why we're keeping that Nagy. So this point, I mean, I don't I'm not rooting for them to lose. I'm never going to. I'm going to continue to root for. Justin Fields to continue to, to progress in this offense because they have a lot of young talent and pieces on that team, you know, because, you know, there there's optimism. And I know they don't have a first round pick, right? They're giving that to the Giants for Fields, but I'm OK because they found their quarterback. You know what I mean? Like it it's, be, yeah. they haven't been able to do that in decades since. Gosh, I think back to my my when my dad was alive. And they didn't have a franchise quarterback. The closest thing they have is Jim McMahon and Jay Cutler. Like, I mean, it, 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 it's it's crazy. Like. But I don't, but to answer your question, yeah, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. But again, I could be wrong. It could happen. You know, hell could freeze over. It, it might. You never know. Plus 1300s. It's not impossible. Those odds are not impossible. No. Uh, but I agree with you. I would, I wouldn't, I would not bet it. I don't think the Bears are going to make the playoffs. It was just kind of a fun question. But I do. I think, I think it was worth it. Like, 
Fields clearly had no business dropping outside the top three picks in that draft. I think we can see it. We see it, and he's just like, watch the games. He looks great. Like He's a franchise quarter. Somehow the Bears got him at what, 11? They traded down to 11. 11. Yeah, 11 to get him. You're right, though. They, they don't have their first-round pick, so we can't even like – you know, kind of stumble down in the second half, Alyssa, have a bad record and and then have a good draft pick, right? Because it's the Giants. So that game against the Giants there, second to last week of the season, the Giants are going to, that's like their Super Bowl. I'm trying to get a better draft pick, beating <laughs> the Bears. Uh, yeah, the Giants are going to make out in that one. But, you know, like you said, the Bears have their guy. And I, this is early, but and, you know, I reserve the right to change my mind next week. But just my gut instinct right now going into the bye, Alyssa, I kind of like the Bears against the Ravens. I... I, that might sound crazy to you. I know the Ravens are one of the top two C's right now in the AFC, but you can beat that team, I think. I I, I don't know what the spread's going to be. It's probably going to come out over the weekend, but the Bears are going to be underdogs at home. And for some reason, I would... I Right now, I am jumping on the Bears for some reason. I I think that Ravens team is super beatable. Like, Justin Tucker, 66-yard field goal to beat the Lions. Come on, Ravens. You should have lost to the Lions. Let's be honest with ourselves. And... Oh, by the way, that win over the Colts where Carson Wentz did that weird interception right at the goal line where he, like, just flipped the ball to the defensive player and let him run in the end zone. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? And then they were just down 24-10 to 10 to the Vikings, and then they had some miraculous comeback. Like, I can't stand people, like, talking up the Ravens like they're a great team. They're not that good. And I think you could catch them coming out of your bye at home. I already love the Bears in that matchup, Alyssa. little early. Might change my mind. But if I had to pick it right now, I'm on the Bears. Are you surprised? A little, but then like I'm listening to you and like I'm Let maybe me talk because you into we're it. heading into the bye week or maybe it's because Justin Fields just kind of gave me a hope again and it, and it feels good and I'm riding that high right now. But I mean, you make a good point about the Ravens. They're just the word that I think of is inconsistent. You know, when they can go out and they can beat good teams. And this is the, a Kansas City team in week two before Patrick Mahomes kind of like fell off the wagon. Right. Uh, so like being a good Kansas City team or beating a good Chargers team. Right. But then you barely beat the Lions. You need a miracle field goal. Miracle. That Colts game you were talking about. You know, like this this team, it kind of feels like an like any Sunday. Right. Any, I'm just you know, any telling Sunday. you, they're a team that will I mean, like, play you close. And again, I refuse yeah. to change my mind, too. I could ch- definitely change my mind. I'm just going to say I'm open to the idea that maybe that happens, but I'm not confident given that the Bears have yet to win a game coming out of the bye week since Matt Nagy's been head coach. Ooh, good, good uh, call. All right, but, that's got to factor in. <laughs> that's the one thing I keep coming back to, but you want to know, again, win or loss, I'm looking for Justin Fields to take a step forward, which is why I'm kind of sad that the bye week is here because I want to see more of Justin. Like, that's the thing. It's really exciting when you have a young quarterback that just looks like he, he has the it factor. He has everything, and you want to see him continue to grow on the field. But at the same time, I need a break because this team has exhausted me. <laughs> yes. But I'm thinking of, like you said, a, a, like a week from now, hey, Ryan, Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. Oh, my That's God. Gonna be fun. That's going to be amazing. That's going to be really fun. That's going to be really fun. And then you got the Thanksgiving game, Bears-Lions. <sighs> so that'll be fun, too. Early. Ruin my holiday. Yeah, you're going to be busy. <laughs> And you got a lot of family, right? That are Lions fans, so that's going to be do. what a what a week what a weekend that's going to be for you. What a Thursday on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm going to sleep for a week after that. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what a stretch that is. Fields versus Lamar Jackson, Bears Ravens, Bears coming out of that bye week, and then turn around and play on Thanksgiving. It's going to be a quick turnaround. It's going to be kind of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Then we see what happens. But you're right when you when you look at the stretch run: Cardinals, Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, Giants, Vikings again. The Bears aren't making the playoffs. And that's okay, right? That's okay. We don't, we, okay. Don't, we don't need to make the playoffs and get smoked by Green Bay or Dallas or Arizona in the first round. Like, we just don't 
We don't need that in our lives. Let that happen down the road. Let them make the playoffs down the road when they're a little bit further along and we have our head coach. And when they have Brian Dable yeah, or exactly, someone. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> someone, exactly. Someone that's actually going to know what to do with Justin Fields, not Matt Nagy, get out of here. Or, I don't right. want him touching Justin Fields at all. Go away. <laughs> yeah, and, and Dayball, I mean, you got to imagine he's going to be on the market after losing to Jacksonville. Like the Bills, they must be ready to get rid of him, right? I mean, losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll take it. Look what you did Josh Allen. I'm all, I'm all on board. <laughs> I'm, Let's go. <laughs> I'm, sal- I'm salty because that knocked me out of my survivor pool, the Bills. So I'm, oh, I'm st- very, very salty still. Oh, I'm not, no. I'll never forgive the Bills for that. And they were my pick going to the Super Bowl in the oh, AFC, and I'm, I'm off bad. that train now. Screw you, Bills. Oh, man. I'm, like I'm the s- team I was rooting for because I wanted, you know, like, you know, Mitch is on that team. And I was like, hey, yeah. go, go win a Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, like, just because he's away from that now. He's living his best life. But the Bills, you know, I, like, I mean, they lost four straight Super Bowls. I don't think I could survive that emotionally, to be quite honest. I don't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, all the respect to them. I would love to see them win. But it's a, it's a good kind of reminder that, you know, even good quarterbacks like Josh Allen have, have down games, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. as we've seen from Fields, who's still, Coming into his own and everything, it just it is what it is. But you know, I'm excited for you know, a little rest and to just kind of take in some football and you know watch the Bears' next opponent. We'll see how how Lamar Jackson and those Ravens do. So, well, here's here's the plan, right? We're gonna go, we're gonna enjoy some football this weekend, and then we will come back next week and we'll just do we'll just do like a random podcast, kind of catching up on stuff from around the league, and then we'll talk about about that Ravens game. We'll really get into it, but we'll do yeah. some like we'll do some thoughts on like random hot button topics from around the league maybe i'll let you over the weekend Alyssa. like you can really work on your uh aaron Rodgers take tell me what you think about aaron Rodgers and all his <laughs> oh you're not ready buffoonery. for that <laughs> yeah yeah so maybe you can work on that does that sound good for next week that sounds good we'll talk to you all then this usa today sports podcast has been presented by usa today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.